Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get podcasts. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Friday, January 13th. As we head into the King holiday weekend, we're thrilled to have another Reverend Doctor who has been a spiritual inspiration several times already on this show, Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis, Senior Pastor at the Middle Collegiate Church on East 7th Street in the East Village, and Rabbi Joshua Stanton, Rabbi of the East End Temple on East 17th Street. Some of you may know that the East End Temple has been hosting Reverend Lewis's church services since fire destroyed the Middle Collegiate Church in December 2020. Rabbi Stanton, among many other things, serves on the Board of Governors of the International Jewish Committee for Interreligious Consultations, which liaises on behalf of Jewish communities worldwide with the Vatican and other international religious bodies, so he is no stranger to interreligious cooperation. Reverend Lewis, among many other things, is author of books, including 10 Essential Strategies for Becoming a Multiracial Congregation, and her recent book, Fierce Love, A Bold Path to Ferocious Courage and Rule-Breaking Kindness That Can Heal the World. That book brought her here for a book interview about a year ago. She has also helped us observe the anniversary of the 9-11 attacks and do a live radio Easter gathering during COVID lockdown in the spring of 2020. Some of you may remember her great appearance for that. This Sunday for the Martin Luther King weekend, Reverend Lewis and Rabbi Stanton will be hosting what they call a free teach-in on racism and anti-Semitism in today's world. So Reverend Lewis, welcome back. Rabbi Stanton, welcome to WNYC. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Sounds like the start of a joke. A reverend and a rabbi walk into a synagogue, but of course it's no if joke. Add, if you add for church, it's really a beautiful story, right? Yeah. <laughs> rabbi Stanton, since you're new here, would you like to introduce East End Temple a little bit to our listeners and talk about what it's been like having the Middle Collegiate Church congregation in a Jewish space since the fire two years ago? East End Temple is a burgeoning Jewish community in Lower Manhattan, and we are neighbors of Middle Collegiate Church. Reverend Lewis has been a mentor to me for years. And when the terrible fire broke out, she and I were in touch very early on. And I said to her sincerely, anything you need, if you need space, whatever it could be, we're here for you as a community. And that's because our community walks the walk of Jewish values, walks the walk of so many universal religious values, and we love our neighbors. And Reverend Lewis, um, as it turned out, was looking for space. Middle Collegiate Church was looking for space. And we have had the blessing and privilege of serving as a tabernacle for a community that is an inspiration, not just for Christians, but for people all across New York City. Reverend Lewis, can you reintroduce Middle Collegiate Church a little bit? Not so much the building as the congregation. To our listeners, how multiracial is it, for example, and has it meant anything spiritually or interreligiously to be holding your Christian services in Rabbi Stanton's Jewish space? 
this is one of those times, Brian, where I'm glad we're on the radio and not on television because my eyes are tearing Aww. listening to Josh describe our relationship. Do you need a minute? Middle, <laughs> maybe you know, not, but you're, you're, it's... <laughs> you, but you know what? Let, let, let me give you a minute but, to com- compose your... Oh, okay, go on. I think no, you want me, to go on. Go ahead. I'm ready. I'm ready. I... I, first of all, my community brings me to tears. Uh, I came to study Middle Church um, 20 years ago when I was working on a PhD in psych and religion. And my question was, how is it that churches say they're welcoming and inclusive, but 11 o'clock is still often the most segregated hour in America, as Dr. King so famously observed? And I walked into this church with you know, white folks and black folks and Chinese folks and indigenous folks and Latinx folks and queer folks and straight folks all hugged up and loving on each other. It was an Easter Sunday morning the first time I was there. And I was like, oh, my God, this looks both like the subway and kind of also like heaven. And it was (laughs) just fantastic and has only become more that, uh, Brian, in these last 20 years, we really are so diverse, it's hard to know what is the racial ethnic majority in our community. Hmm. And over time, we've become more and more interfaith, Um, not just, say, Jewish and Christian couples, but Jews who find their way to our community because of the music and the social justice implications, Muslims, Buddhists, um, and my favorite, atheists, and agnostics who go to church what? because they, yeah, yeah, because they love the music and they love the justice focus. It is incredible uh, to be in the room with all of those kinds of people, to be in the digital spaces during COVID and post fire with all of those people. Brian, we've grown in the last two years from a community of about 1300 to a community of over 2000. Wow. In so after countries. your physical space was destroyed, yes. your congregation has grown in size. Grown. That's right. And I think it's because people could find us. They heard about the story. You know, they heard about the fire. 22 countries now and 48 states. I don't know what's up with those other two states, but 48 <laughs> states. <laughs> yeah. So... To continue, oh, do you want to finish the thought there? Go ahead. Can I, one thing more is to, to say what it's like to be to be in a mishkan, to be in a tabernacle with my friend Josh at East End Temple is to me, Brian, to bring to the fore the Jewishness of Jesus, right? That this is a Jewish man, a rabbi, a teacher that we follow, we Christians follow in the way. When I stand on the bima at East End Temple with the beautiful Hebrew words surrounding me, when we go to the library and and in there are the scrolls, it is beyond description, the beauty of this experience. You want to just keep going on that? Rabbi Stanton, what are you thinking? So there's so much to unpack. I would say that in, in many ways, um, Middle Collegiate Church is mentoring all of East End Temple. The American Jewish community woke up in the last 10 years and realized that at least 15% of American Jews identify as people of color. And all of a sudden, racism and other issues of hate are not just out there in the wider world, 
They are ones that impact our community members. And so we are learning from Middle Collegiate Church and its extraordinary example as a truly multicultural house of worship and how we can be better. Because the reality is, at least as far as I've seen it, in American Jewish spaces, it's majority Ashkenazi, which means in the American racial caste system, we look white passing. And so folks who are not Ashkenazi or are not white passing have so many terrible conversations about belonging. Um, we've had people, and again, I have one of the most loving communities I could possibly imagine. And the number of people who are uh, converts to Judaism, who are people of color, from any number of walks of life. A lot of them grew up Jewish, by the way, uh, which is a story that is often uh, untold or undertold, who are asked about what brings them to East End Temple. It's clear that we have work to do internally, as do so many communities across New York City and beyond. And in addition, I just have to say, as we approach uh, Martin Luther King Day, I feel as though a lot of Ashkenazi Jews like me hold up photos of our parents and grandparents involved in the civil rights movement and act as though we are absolved of any obligation right now to fight racism. My grandfather was a public school principal. He oversaw an integrated school that was wonderful in the greater New York City area. And he did go to the South to march to tell his story about integrated schools and why the South needed to follow suit. But what have I done? The reality, Brian, is remarkably little. And so I am as much showing up on Sunday at East End Temple for a church service with Middle Collegiate Church to teach as I am to study because the Jewish community loves its history. It is a source of enduring strength for a people that has been homeless and wandering and has suffered so much. But when it comes to the civil rights movement, I fear that our history is actually inhibiting us, is keeping us from engaging in civil rights work today at a time when racism is alive and well in the structures of our country, on the streets of New York, in society writ large. And so I plan to come and learn at the feet of my teachers, notably the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis, and then to learn for the purpose of action, because I am tired of standing on the sidelines of racial justice work. I am tired of pretending that my grandfather's actions somehow are enough for my family and that I don't have to do anything today. We need to rebuild beloved community. And there is no one I would rather work on that with than the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis and no community more suited to work alongside the East End Temple community than Middle Collegiate Church. Reverend Lewis, you want to pick up where Rabbi Stanton left off and talk more about what you expect will happen at this event on Sunday? Yeah, thank you, Brian. Thank you so much, Josh. I think, I want to say this. Psychologist Robert Carter says um, there are lots of differences that we wrestle with in this nation, but the race is a different difference. And he is a student, as I am, of... Um, of you know, uh, writers of, of uh, racial identity development work. Um, I'm gonna just say racism in America, racism around the globe is a ubiquitous, seemingly never ending problem. And one of the things that I try to do in my book 
um, is to uh, fierce love is to call us all in. That's language that Josh and I both use. Um, sometimes, Brian, I say playfully, I'm on the nice white people tour about race. <laughs> I get asked to go to lots of nice white people to talk about race, and they invite me to come because I frame this as a human problem that only humans can fix and that we actually only can fix together. The, the way we fix it together is we remember that there is one race, and that is human. And that what we're really talking about is ethnicity and religiosity and physiognomy when we talk about, quote, race in America. And the common enemy for all humans is the white supremacist ideologies that are endemic to, to the world. Like, like, it just is. And, I mean, America exported white supremacist ideologies when Thomas Jefferson wrote Notes on Virginia and sent it to France, and the pseudo-race science develops in Europe and is echoed in science in Philadelphia. We exported white supremacist ideologies to, to Germany, which resulted in the Holocaust. And we, ex we exported it also to South Africa, where at Stalinbosch University, apartheid theologies were created. We did this, Brian. We did it, and we need to repent about it. And all of us, no matter our race or ethnicity or gender or sexuality or religion, have to take it in as a calling in to love each other out of this dilemma, out of this problem. It's fierce love. It's Ubuntu, a, a philosophy from South Africa that says a human is a human through other humans. So Josh and I are humans who happen to be religious leaders, who happen to have different texts, and for Christians, some of the same texts with Jews, that take us straight to love. Love God with everything you have. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the world's major religions call us to love. And Brian, this is what we're going to be talking about, is how do we get to beloved community for real? How do we take seriously the command to love? And just to say, so we don't run out of time, any of the Christians who don't understand that when Jesus gives a command to love, that he's quoting Deuteronomy and quoting Leviticus, that he's a Jew quoting Jewish texts. To be anti-Semitic and Christian is to be anti-Jesus and Christian, is to be anti-Christ, anti-God. And we just can't do that. Rabbi Stanton, being... Both of you, social justice-oriented clergy people, you both think and preach about power imbalances and marginalization. We've been talking some about that in this conversation. Um, you talked about it in one of your early, earlier answers, talking to people in your Jewish community who you want to not sort of rest on the historical laurels of being involved in the King civil rights era, uh, but saying they need to be more involved in fighting anti-black racism today. How do you deal with the fact that American Jews collectively do have so much more wealth and power than black Americans on average, and yet referring to Jewish wealth and power the way many people do it is also a classic anti-Semitic trope? I'm sure you agree. So can you weave a multi-layered truth out of that that respects and loves all parties? The conversation that we have in this country about privilege does not map neatly onto Jewish history 
or the Jewish present. Privilege presupposes an enduring power. Folks who, whose families have been here for hundreds of years and have remained on top, that might be privilege. Jews in the diaspora have not had the blessing of remaining in one country long enough to have the privilege conversation work. The way that we frame it to ourselves very often is um, we use the power we have when we've got it the best we can. And it presupposes that one day we could have power and the next day we could have less than nothing. In my family, part of it comes from Germany. These were people who had made it in German society until they very much had not. And so the enduring fear on the part of American Jews, and frankly, it's, it's not an unfounded fear given the rise in white supremacy, is that whatever vestiges of power, whatever sense of power we might have, is going to be very short-lived. And so it's a scary time to be Jewish in the United States. Nonetheless, that is not an excuse to rest on our laurels about the civil rights movement and about fighting racism. We can at once feel fearful and threatened and have some of those threats be awfully real and fight systemic racism, fight the structures of racism, care about the Jews of color in a way that clearly in too many communities we are not. And so it has to be a both end. We have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. We have to be able to fight racism and fight anti-Semitism at the same time. And so Rev that's what the teaching is about. Reverend Lewis, want to continue that from your vantage point? And I'm sure some Jewish listeners who are listening right now are, are thinking, yes, all of that is true. And there's also some black people who are anti-Semitic. Kanye West has been in the news there that have not come up yet in this conversation as as a thing. So how do you, yep. how do you weave these multiple layers together? Oh, thank you, Brian. Let me just start right there with blackness and anti-Semitic tropes um, that we see in our community. Um, this is why I invited uh, Josh into this teaching with me. Quite honestly. Um, I think there is, it's a very dangerous thing when our public folks are, you know, not just Kanye, but comedians are jumping on this anti-Semitic bandwagon. And I want to go back to my comment to Michelle about hurt people hurting people, which is no excuse, Brian, but it is to say that I think white supremacist ideologies in this nation bake in the possibility of Chinese and Latinx people fighting with each other. Um, I lived in California for a time, and the the dynamics between Koreans and Blacks, or Blacks and Dominicans, I mean, how insane is it that there's a white power structure that luxuriates in so-called minorities or people on the margins duking it out for a thin slice of the American dream? In fact... That's insanity. And I, I would like to just call in my black siblings again to remind them, not only is Jesus Jewish, but the way we think about his, let's say, um, uh, historic uh, ethnicity is that the Jews from which Jesus comes are Afro-Semitic. And we get that from the genealogies that we study. We get that from a look at the cradle of civilization. We look at the Mediterranean Sea. We look at the ethnicity of those people that were Jesus's ancestors. And we can say African and Semitic. How dare we not examine our own 
biases my black family and our own um, prejudices. We don't have enough power in this nation to be, quote, racist, not the way we define racism, but we do have enough power to love our way through this, to study our scripture, to look at what Jesus's life was and would have been, to, and, not, and also not to rest on the laurels of Dr. King and Abraham Heschel and to say today we need movements that are multi-ethnic, multicultural, multiracial movements of love and justice. I'm in one. Josh is in it. We are Sikh. We are um, Buddhist. We are uh, Jewish. We are Christian. We are Muslim. We are agnostic. We are atheists. People who believe in love as a public ethic to heal the world. Come on, my people. Let us not dance with the devil and be anti-Semitic in this nation when the one we follow into ministry is, 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 is a Jew. Our Muslim brothers and sisters think of Jesus as a prophet. Our Jewish uh, sisters and brothers think of him as a teacher. If we think of him as, quote, Christ, then we also need to understand his ethnicity as something to celebrate. Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis, Rabbi Joshua Stanton, this has been special. Thank you both so much. Thank you, Brian. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.